Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, my name's Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and welcome to this MedHeads show on accessing aged care. And we have with us Zoe Lance. Hello, Zoe, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm very well. So accessing aged care, I suppose, starts off with the eligibility for aged care. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Well, usually it's over 65 years old um, and needing to meet some sort of care requirements. So to find that out, you could apply on My Age Care online and apply to get an assessment and you might fill out a few criteria is online and then you'll be put in the list for an assessment and an assessor who's either a nurse or a social worker would contact you um, to do an, an ACAS assessment um, to see your eligibility for um, permanent care, respite um, or any other care services you might be eligible for. Hmm. So it's that ACAS assessment which is the gateway to, to accessing the funding for aged care services. So what, what goes on in an ACAS assessment? Well, an ACAS assessment is a comprehensive assessment on somebody's cognition, um, their medical history, their mm. capabilities of caring for themselves at home, um, their day-to-day tasks, their social history. It's it's actually works on a bit of a biopsychosocial model um, mm. and it generates referral codes that, mm. um, will, that a residential aged care facility Um, or even care services will need the um, referral code because it's partially government funded and that's how it's um, generated. So what I'm hearing then is that there is an assessment according to a framework, the outcome of which will give you a code or a number that you can then take to various providers to say, look, you know, please give me care. So let me just break that down a little bit further. So where is the ACAS assessment carried out? Where is that held? Okay, so it can happen in a few in a few places. Um, in your home can happen as well, mm-hmm. especially um, they also recommend that you have somebody with you, so a family member or whoever it might be, a next of kin. Um, when you're in the hospital, um, sometimes you might go to the hospital for you know another reason and they deem that you could probably use an ACAS assessment um, and at the GP clinic. And you can you can have a support person with you. You don't have to go through this on your own because you know the word assessment can be very emotive. It can be quite scary. You know, I'm being assessed. Yep. Now, you've had the ACAS assessment. You've been given this code. What options do you then have after that? Yep. So depending on what referral codes were generated for you, which is deemed by your eligibility, what care needs you're at. If you are eligible for residential aged care and respite, you can then go and get a means test, which they suggest you do before you enter residential aged care. And that sort of sets you at the financial eligibility to know what criteria you're in. Um, and they suggest that you apply for that online through Services Australia prior mm. to looking at aged care facilities. Right, so means testing, that's... That's an emotive subject, isn't it? I know. What is what is means testing? Okay, so means testing 
is um, it's pretty easily done online through Services Australia and they'll look at, you'll fill out these criteria, or you might get somebody else to do it for you, um, but it would look at your assets, your financial situation, um, whether you're on the um, DVA or whether you're on what form of pension. So you'll fill out all those criteria, very similar to Medicare, um, and it sort of sets you in a like a level and that's how an aged care facility will know how you're going to pay to stay there. Uh, and there's def- diff- different ways to pay to stay in aged care as well. So let's talk about that. What, what are the fees for aged care and, and how, are they, how are they sourced? How, how is the money sourced? Yeah. So depending on your means test, it depends on how you'll pay. So let's say your means test shows that you don't have many assets and you're living with a certain mm-hmm. amount of money in your bank account. You can mm-hmm. pay a daily fee. Mm-hmm. Now that changes for every residential aged care that you look at, but a daily fee is basically paying rent if you think about it, mm-hmm. um, and that will you know cover the costs of living in the facility, like lifestyle and care. Mm-hmm. Um, and say that you're deemed to have you know some assets and you know some financial situation, you can then pay a rad. What is a rad? <sighs> It's a refundable deposit, accommodation deposit. Right. It reminds me, I think of it like superannuation. It's money that you put down as a deposit, let's say it's 500000 um, or it's you know part of a house, whatever it might be, it'll sit with the aged care facility and I think they take the interest off the top and your your daily fee comes out of that over time. And then say you leave the aged care facility or you pass that is refunded back to the family or yourself, what is residual. Right. So the principle that you put in, you get back out. So if you put yeah. $100 in, you'll get $100 out, but you might only get $100 after 10 years. So, you know, so you've lost the interest. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so that's an important point. The, the RAD is refundable, but not the interest on the RAD. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not paying a daily fee as well, yeah. so the other thing you can do is you can pay a small daily fee and have a RAD, which brings your daily fee down, and that's just mm-hmm. part of your pension. Mm-hmm. But if you decide to just put the RAD down, you can get mm-hmm. your daily fee to slowly chip it out of your RAD as well. And right. then you might not be left with much if you ever leave, um, right. but they're just your options. No, the pension. So I, I'm in... I'm in the home. I've paid a rad. Now some people pay my daily fees out of their pension. Tell us about that. Yeah. So your daily fees would be taken out of your pension, kind of like if, as if you were paying rent or mortgage to right. stay somewhere. Because you're and not. That's paying the state you. pension, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And how much of a percentage of your state pension is taken out for daily fees? Um, so when it comes to respite it's about 50 percent but permanent care it changes each facility so it depends on how you know you could it's like when you pay different rent for a different you know you might pay different rent for an apartment or you know a townhouse or a house the rent's different so it's it's different to each facility that you go to um and that's why when you when you are means tested already and you've got your referral codes that's when you shop around right okay but is it all your pension? I mean, can, can, a, can a home take away all of your pension if you've got no other means of supporting yourself? I would say, yeah, most of it, it could be consumed. Right. 
So you've, you've had your ACAS assessment, you've had your means test, you're shopping around. What are you looking for? So there is a, um, a good booklet that I'll put the link in and I'll give that to you, mm -hmm. um, Steps yeah. into Age Care. And mm -hmm. it's got a list at the back of good questions to ask. Um, mm -hmm. Just so you don't forget, and it's good to even take this, this booklet with you. Um, mm -hmm. So when you go into a facility, make sure they it meets your criteria. So you ask whether they can provide the care that you need. Mm -hmm. um, for your medications, for your wound care, for your complex health, anything that like that, um, and also your lifestyle. Check what activities they have, um, what their room and facilities are like, um, any cultural diversity that you might have, religious, anything like that. Definitely ask those sort of questions and do a tour as well. So it's up to you to find the nursing home that fits your needs. So you're not obliged to go to a nursing home that the government tells you to, you can actually choose to go to whichever nursing home suits you. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, and there's also um, good supports out there for people that find it a bit daunting, as if, you know, when you go to a um, go to buy a house, you seek a real estate agent and they sort of help you show you houses that meet the criteria that you gave them. There is placement agencies. Some charge, some don't. Um but they can also help you with giving you a list of facilities that might meet your criteria and your means test. So that's what we would consider as long-term residential aged care, but that's not the only care option, is it? What other no. options do we have? So let's say after your ACAS assessment, you um, generate a referral codes for um, personal care and um, home help and home maintenance and flexible respite. So those are usually care options that happen before permanent care. So that's when you can get support from home care packages. You can get mm -hmm. support from council and mm -hmm. you can also get support from um, respite, which is permanent um, in a residential aged care facility, but you're only there for two to four weeks. And that's to give your family respite or yourself respite from caring for yourself. Right. Right. So, yeah, respite care, how is that funded? Yep, so that can be, um, is, is always a daily fee when it comes mm -hmm. to respite. Um, it's depending on the place, it would change, but, you know, it's around the half of your pension, so 50% to stay there. Um, and sometimes you don't even need the referral code. Let's say something bad happened and you urgently needed respite. Um, or somebody, family member, urgently need respite and they were over the age of 65, you can go in for emergency respite. Some facilities do it and they usually advertise. And if they do that, you don't need the referral code, but they have to obtain the referral code within seven days. So an ACAS right. assessor would have to come to the facility to assess you within seven days. But, you know, going into respite care is not just you deciding to go in. It has to be planned, you know. So, you know, you have to have your GP medi uh, medi and your medication sorted right. out prior to going into respite, don't yep. you? Yeah. Yeah, so it has to be a coordinated effort. What happens if you get sick in respite care? If you get sick in respite care, depending on how sick the severity is, whether a locum doctor can come and visit you, whether a geriatrician can review you, but if it's severe enough, then you would be obviously transferred to hospital. So if you go to hospital from respite, can you go back to respite? 
Yeah, they can usually hold your bed for um, 24 hours, 48 hours. Mm -hmm. But if you're, say, three or four days in hospital, then what happens? You probably have to reapply. Right, but so that's an important point. If you have a severe intercurrent illness like a pneumonia or a heart attack yep. whilst you're in respite care, you go to hospital, you stay away from, away from the respite home longer than that maximum time allowed, you cannot be discharged back to respite care. Yes. Um, which creates a problem if the rest of your carers and the rest of your family are all on holiday, doesn't it? It does, and that's where you probably get a referral to transition care. And that's where you go to transition care. And so you've had such referrals, have you, working in transition care? Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. Been so what would be your options then? Well, then you would possibly go to residential um, transition care, which is very much the same as respite. Um, you would, they would set you goals. Well, a person like myself would set you goals, and we could possibly get you back into um, the respite that you're at. But obviously, we're we're there to allow time, um, mm -hmm. and we can also support you until your family comes back. Right, right. But it wouldn't necessarily be in the same respite facility. No. Would it? Yeah. So there is there is a care uh, program. There is a, a kind of a journey of care that is available to you. Um, now, we've talked about options of care for long-term residential care. We've talked about respite care. We've talked briefly again about transition care, but there is care in the home, isn't there? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So when you get those referral codes for personal care, home health, and mm -hmm. home maintenance, you would yeah. first apply um, home care packages. They cost less to the person and also have a, you know, a kitty of money that they accumulate every year that's funded by the government. But you're usually on a waiting list for those um, just because there's a lot of backlog with them. So you're approved for a home care package. You apply for the home care package. On the My Age Care portal, it'll tell you how long you have to wait until it comes to fruition. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, you can get the referral code can be supported by your council. Right. So how does that work? So when you get that referral code, you would call up your council. So let's say mm -hmm. you, you work for, you live in Whitehorse or Knox or wherever the mm -hmm. area might be. You call them and they have service providers that are linked to their council and they mm -hmm. take the referral code and establish care. Who pays for that care from the council? From the council. So mm -hmm. it would be partially funded, but you would be paying. Right, so you'd still have to be out of pocket, yeah. but you and that would be out of pocket from your own finances because you still haven't accessed the ACAS funding. Yeah. Right, and when you when the when you do get to the top of the list, then what happens? So Who you pays for the care then? The, yeah, you start with the home care package one, um, yeah. and there's one, two, three, and four, and that's just mainly amounts of money that you can hmm. um, put into care. So it might be level one would really really cover you for a bit of home help and um, possibly some home maintenance and things like that. That's your sort of lower level and it sort of would cover the funding for that. Um, and then when you get to sort of home care package level two and three and four, it's when you're sort of allowing for more things like weekly cleaning, maintenance, um, probably meals on wheels, things like personal care um, right. and respite, um, in-home respite, sorry. Right. So... Who pays for all of that? So home care packages are government funded. Right. 
So is, is there an expectation that the recipient of care makes a, con a financial contribution to that care as well? Yeah, they, they can be gap fees, yes, depending on right. how much you use. So it's important to understand that you can have gap fees for care funded by the ACAS assessment, and you can also have gap fees funded by care provided by the council, yeah? Yeah. That's, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. So yes, there is financial support for care, but it's not entirely free to the user. You, there is a certain contribution that users have to make. Is that right? That's correct. So here's a question. What happens if you are utterly and financially destitute? The government supports you in general for residential aged care. It funds every person in aged care for about 70000 But if you are completely destitute, um, then the government will fund your, your care. Um, that just may mean that you don't get a choice as much mm. about what facility you go into. Yeah, yeah. Because... It's up to the facility to decide whether or not to accept a fully funded government placement, isn't it, rather than having a, a, a user who's able to partially fund themselves. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right, Zoe, well, look, thanks very much for your expertise as always. It's, uh, it's been great to hear from you. Thank you. No worries. You're very welcome. My name's Dr. Fergal Armstrong. You've been watching MedHeads. We'll see you next time.